Shatter the stigma, mend the mind. Welcome to the live broadcast of Talk Revolution, hosted by Dr. Paul Sambataro, neurocognitive scientist, author, and retired school psychologist. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Talk Revolution. This is our ninth broadcast on BBS radio. We are here today to discuss current topics with a new perspective based on cognitive function. We are here today to keep the fires of innovation, pioneering, and our shared culture of giving burning for future generations. The orientation of these discussions is to bring to light the importance of underlying foundation to solving our most social problems disability challenges, poverty, violence, crime, and all those society ills we rail against, but with little regard to consequences and efficacy. Today's podcast episode is focused on relationships, an association of cognitive functioning and the emotional budgeting process. Our discussion will center on emotional responses and the impact on our ability to problem solve relationship issues. This is a call-in podcast. You may at any time feel free to call in with any questions you have. You may have in regards to cognitive function in our program, Emotional Budgeting. Please call toll-free 888-627-6008 in the U.S. And or if you're from Canada, direct line is 323-744-4831. Today for our podcast discussion, we are going to accept the following definition from the online dictionaries that define relationship. Relationship number one is the way in which two or more concepts, objects, or people are connected or the state of being connected. So the relationship between two two items that may be such as an example unemployment or political attitudes Uh, there may be a relationship it's usually based on research or uh, defining some connection Uh, Two, the state of being connected by blood or marriage that relationship can be traced as in uh, our history our ancestry tree etc gene genetic pool, and lastly, the way in which two or more people or organizations regard and behave toward each other. And of course, this is where the emotional program, emotional budgeting program is at its most effectiveness in regards to problem solving and awareness. Today, the discussion will concern less about the technical and scientific research in the literature and more in regards to the expectation of what individuals will see and feel with the completion of the emotional budgeting program. As you know, in our previous podcast, we have often gone over very highly technical uh, research. We have involved uh, those who do uh, in science and it can be very complicated complicated when we are trying to break it down into simple, simpler an understanding of the connections. And in this case, relationship is a perfect time in which to examine the relationship of emotional budgeting and the relationships between people as well as our cognitive function. We will address the expectation and outcomes from implementing the emotional budgeting program. Many of our previous podcasts have addressed the multiple variables associated with emotional processing and the impact when an individual is emotionally overwhelmed. So we have discussed from many implications of cognitive functioning across culture, disorders, the mental health, the physiological issues, trauma, 
And today, while many of those constraints or variables are still important, we want to kind of, to consider the interplay of relationship and the foundation in which our cognitive functioning plays a major role. The constraints of relationship rely on many variables as well. And for the brain to answer the emotional questions poised in every sense of the word, we discussed this in some detail in the in our podcast with culture. But for those of you who may have missed that or for a refresher, we described culture as a structure in which plays an important part providing answers to emotional questions that may be involved in everyday, day-to-day lives, tasks. The expectation that culture provides a problem-solving solution is also similar or important for relationship guidelines. And this is where the cognitive functioning and the structures that are outside of the biological definition in which culture or in which cognitive functioning works to answer these questions becomes a murky and muddy water. For example, to describe the relationship between culture and cognitive function as pertains to how it interacts with defining our ability to answer those emotional questions changed, has changed over time, had changes from location, and of course changes through different locations and expectations. For example, what we have, what our expectations in America for culture is likely to be greatly different than another country that has a longer tradition of implementing social understanding in certain questions. And the greatest of those is identifying how a man and a woman interact or not allowed to interact in different circumstances. So the circumstance of in a home, the circumstance of outside a home, the circumstance between a stranger and someone who's familiar, these are all normally guided by the cultural construct adapted for exactly those reasons to provide a guideline. And that reason is because in the past, it has provided increased survivability, increased likelihood that as a group, not maybe necessarily as an individual, but as a group and a population, it has increased their carrying capacity, of which we also described in a previous podcast. Increasing the carrying capacity is ultimately every organism's goal. That is the growth, that is the biological drive, is to increase not only individual survivability, but the offspring and the population as a whole to transfer genetic material forward through time. That may not be our personal conscious goal, but the biological goal is always driving and pushing those limits. And the brain is part of those adaptation organs and biological structures that is 
response to the environment in such a way as an organism would to increase surviving, to increase carrying capacity. So from there, that is the basis for which is the driven adaptations. And now we will discuss the relationship of that on the cognitive functioning. So one of the one of the interests, and that is one of the reasons why I have not included uh, I've included too much research, because the interest of most people is the relationship that is already in progress or the potential relationships that between two people who are considering partnership or romance or socializing. And this leads us back to what is normally what we have developed as a structure as of now for our particular culture. So in America, in the United States of America, we have developed sites uh, that help provide matches based on personality or uh, questionnaires, surveys that try to link and form or understand through data accumulation what data best matches another set of data. That would be one person, how they match with another person. And generally speaking, most of them work on personalities. And from our point of view, the cognitive functioning, this is, after all, talk revolution. We will strive to discuss through this podcast and our future podcasts, the understanding of the foundation of those personalities and the awareness that can be gained by under by looking towards our cognitive function and differences that ultimately create how we respond to our environments and in the end how we we respond to each other for today again it is not the technical aspects, but the generalities. And we will move through our future podcasts to develop more refined understanding of what the cognitive functioning relates to our differences and our similarities that result in personality differences or personality similarities. So we are in the basement. We are at the basement and we are at the revolution of understanding and awareness of where these other topics and discussions arrive, derive from. And we can all get there together, one podcast at a time, with our examination of the difference and the similarities in the basement of our adaptations and our functioning. So before we move on to these similarities and the personalities and how cognitive functioning underscores that, I want to just mention a couple of items that most of us are familiar with. And that would be something in the, the way that astrology prior to personality, uh, the understanding of personality was used in trying to identify similarities and differences between people. Astrology in general pairs an idea of fate. So we are fated if we are born to a time we are fated to a certain personality. We are fated to a certain 
outcome. And ironically, when one looks at the personalities of those astro astrological signs, there is there are types of cognitive functioning that can be associated with that. Although not, and in the same way that astrology paints a fate, ironically, the way the brain's architecture and the way the person brain functions, the cognitive function, can also lead to fate without, a, if there's reserved or minimal awareness. So in other words, fate may have a relationship with awareness or the lack of the less aware of who we are and then why we function the way we do, the more likely the way we are built, the way our brain operates is going to control our fate. Not only for who we may be with or how we're going to end up or what kind of job we do or how we feel. These are all things that the bottom basement of the cognitive function sets the foundation, but can be changed, can be improved, can be identified and can be managed and in the end controlled. This is something again, that I've emphasized the importance our emotional budgeting program is similar to a financial budget. Is my experience and most experience that I've seen is that if you, if an individual does not by line item identify their finances, when there is an issue or if there is an overwhelming issue at hand or multiple financial questions and there are not a process to identify how much is coming in and how much is going out, it creates stress and stress creates its own physiological responses and so on and so forth. Similarly, our program is designed specifically to address similar issues for emotions because of the similar outcomes in both directions. In other words, if one is prepared, one is structured, supports the mind structure, then in return, we get positive outcomes in the same way that most financial Detail will also provide support or positive outcomes. In other words, problem solving methods. For us to think that we are much more prepared to solve an emotional issue or emotional relationship or relationship issues because we talk through them because of our family or because of an idea is similar to what we may think we can solve our financial issues if we do not describe them in detail and understand them in the way that breaks down how much is coming in and how much is going out by line so that the description is visible and manageable. Again, we have described culture as one structure, not the structure, but a structure that provides a way for to answer questions, emotional questions that now in many of our the current times no longer exist or are greatly reduced. And our choices have increased and our decisions are now overwhelmed with many, much more data that is not structured 
And by that, I mean, do not give us, they pose more questions than they do answers. And while we consider the ability to have a choice a good thing, that does not make it necessarily less stressful. The brain does not consider that a good thing as an organ. It considers that a difficulty. It considers that a stress that a stress that it did not have to adapt to prior to our current times. This is the issue. It can be a good thing, but for our brain, it considers it another issue of unorganized data that it has to sort through. We briefly discussed how adaptations and divergence of cognitive functioning associated with the brain's architect and neuron development. So moving from what I briefly mentioned is the relationship of what we think of before as astrology that gave structure or gave fate based on identifying personalities that were immovable, based on personalities that were by time and by date. Now, we're going to cognitive functioning that is a structure that responds to an environment but hasn't been identified to how that response may be. And we will move through that later on in our, partly in our next podcast. But for now, let us consider briefly for the purposes of awareness today for that relationship between one spectrum of the brain and another spectrum. So if there is one side of a spectrum, there has to be another side. And I briefly described how autism on a spectrum in its more severe form and it's more in a form that is farther on the spectrum than say an individual who is identified more with others how we discuss the neuron development and there is research indicating how there's shown to be more neurons in a more unorganized pattern we go to the other side, and I briefly mentioned, in its severe form, bipolar disorder. And there are indications of frontal lobe differences in processing. But there are likely other differences that we can will provide in future podcasts that also indicate differences in structure and neuron development. And all of that is very subtle, does not necessarily indicate different species, but it, a subtle information on differences of cognitive functioning adaptation that lays the foundation to personalities. And that is why I mention it today, because we are going to, in time, identify the way these differences from autism and everything in between to bipolar disorder are adaptations that to the extreme are absolutely show difficulty in functioning in today's environment. But as they move towards the middle of function and adaptation range, there are still differences that underline personalities and sensitivities and projections and self thought and awareness. 
Each, each can respond to the environment, but it's the underlying cognitive functioning that is likely different in why it is responding differently. And we will approach that. So please keep that in mind for our future podcast and for this one in relationships that the personalities is not the basis it is a second or third layer up taking the elevator up and to be aware is to understand the cognitive functioning that provides the foundation for those personalities think of the brain as and in those differences the brain is a series of antennas and or radar signatures. So when we talk about neurons, we are really talking about a sig accepting and sending a signal from an environmental stimulus. And so imagine how important that is, the receptivity of those signals, how it is sent, how, where it goes, how it's processed. And all of these differences in receptivity are impacting behavioral responses that, again, lead to personality differences. All adaptations evolved as a survival trait through time. Any given adaptation is tested for optimal performance. So when we talk about a disorder, we're really talking about someone who is at this current time, in this current location, is not performing at an optimal level considered by his or her peers. So when the public looks at an individual and calls it a disorder, it's because they're not functioning at this time and at this place. But perhaps if they were in a different location or in a different time period or a different culture, it would be considered normal. Again, we have this interplay between culture, cognitive functioning, and leading to personality, which then is identified in matchmaking or as one who is similar or not similar. But we have not, again, derived from the bottom basement of what is driving those personality traits. And again, we are here today because it is a revolution in perspective to get to work from the basement, to be at the foundation, to understand from there, we are building our house up. And by building our house from our foundation, the brain as an organ understands and directly is able to process, not through the normal process, but by as through the emotional budgeting system, as one would a financial statement, the brain is able to categorize those and put it away in a way as a file cabinet to establish a foundation from which to draw upon as needed. When it has not done that, and one feels overwhelmed, it's because it is still in the processing part of the brain as one chaotic tangle web going around and around in unorganized bits and pieces rather than as a coherent thought and ability to stack in order to take from one emotional piece at a time and organize it to problem solve or answer a question. As one trait loses importance in optimizing survival, another will likely become the dominant force. This is the interplay that I've described between one end of the cognitive functioning abilities and another that does not make one better or one worse. It only applies because as a biological organism we are adaptable when environment changes some of us are better at 
something currently than others. And that is how it's supposed to be in order for the whole population to survive change. And we have changed socially. We have gone from what I described last podcast, children working 12 hours in a mill, to now eight hours in a classroom, in a four walls with small lettering in front of them and with the expectation that they must remember and relay that information that they have been in for eight hours looking at. This is my opinion, completely contrary to any previous adaptation we've had in the past. And we are expected to do that now in order to survive, in order to increase our carrying capacity as a whole human species. And we have, that is the amazing part, but obviously there are those on either end of spectrums who struggle because of the change and the demands. In most cases, a trait is unlikely is unlikely to complete, completely disappear until environmental forces make it once again an important trait for surviving or optimizing offspring. So that's, again, we reiterated the importance of adaptation and how the foundation of cognitive function as an organ, as a brain, is adapting is available to adapt to change because there are slight differences. And these disorders highlight the extremes of those change or the extremes of the adaptability of our brain function. They are not necessarily optimum at this time, obviously. They are a problem of function, but they have been in the past likely to be important and they may be in the future. And that is the importance of understanding, optimizing of our cognitive function. And when it's not optimized, we have developed medications. And for our purposes today, we have developed a program to provide help in optimizing change and adaptation for those and for everyone to increase efficacy of cognitive ability. So what are the implications to long-term partnerships and lifetime emotional development from the initial meetings? If we take away culture, then we have questions. Am I is this person okay for me? Am I, is this something, someone that I can love? I, is it a feeling now? Will it go on? Uh, is this a physiological feeling? Is this a feeling because they meet uh, mutual friends and on? These are many, many questions now that were not necessarily there before. In another culture, another time, in another place, and now they are their choices. So what is the important part? What can we do? We, we then look to personalization, personal personality traits. And again, personality traits may or may not reflect our cognitive functioning. Remember right now and what has been for a very long time, decades, a 50-50 chance that a marriage will last a lifetime. So there's a 50-50 chance. I am not aware exactly of the statistics for those who have gone through matchmaking, but from all the research I have read, it is not much better over time. There may be some longer periods, but or there may be periods in which people who use that matchmaking are older already, and as they get married, 
they are already older and more likely to stay married from that point of view. So it is important to understand that the under awareness personality surveys and questionnaires does bring to light awareness of one's understanding and one's goals and missions and and self identification and matching identification is important but the missing link of awareness again is the functional cognitive functioning of how one thinks through and to check on that without having to know the very scientific or technical details of cognitive differences, organ difference, brain differences, one can go through the emotional budget as one a financial budget and checklist those areas in which one identifies a fact. This is a behavioral fact. This is what happens. It's not good or bad. It's not a choice yet. Just as in a finance, you don't make your decision until you have completed the financial statement. When the financial statement is completed, then the problem solving begins or a review of the finances begins. And in this way, it is the same. There is no good or bad. There is only decision-making, a choice. And so in the initial meetings, the emotional budget program designed with the workbook is meant to provide that ability for the brain to itemize, to categorize, to put away and file so that it leaves the cognitive functioning, cognitive ability to able to identify and understand the choices they are making. And if there's a reason for change or if there's a choice to make a change. So it is very important in my opinion, when working on the foundation to use this process from the very beginning. And by doing that, one does several things. One is organize the mind, lowered stress. We have discussed that, uh, lowered, uh, increase, lowered anxiety and increased cognitive ability and problem solving and decision making so that when there's time comes to make a decision about how important this person is, if identify, you are identifying not your personality, not whether you are simply similar or different, but how one responds. Is it a good response? Is it a bad response? Is it going to be a response that may end up in domestic turmoil? Is it, these signs may not necessarily always show through and it's always good to have both individuals so that both individuals will be on the same page when they identify their statement of responses and behaviors. That is our program. So what we do in a nutshell so, and the brain will do that automatically after it has been trained through this program. Once the program is completed, the brain will do this on its own. It will grow the connections. It will grow the neuron connectivity. It'll increase that train station, that train track. So that train track will be built by helping to process those emotions in a way that you, one can look and identify the relationship that one is initiating or is in or wants to have. And through the development, there are family. So when one has children in this process of relationship, we have the relationship of not only our past, our future, and at this point, even with our children, we can provide 
several things with this program. One is when this emotional budgeting is completed and reviewed throughout time, not only with the less anxiety and less stress, but there is an awareness. It's an increase in awareness of differentiating the stress and struggles around a relationship rather than including a relationship. And this was important in our tried to <clears throat> detail this in an interview with Veterans News Hour for veterans or for anyone who's experienced trauma or stress that interferes or impinges on another relationship. And it's often hard for the brain to distinguish between one trauma and a negative thought in another relationship and often they're paired because of the emotional intelligence part of the brain linking those pictures and images and thoughts together because of the emotions. And by going through this, it separates, it breaks into pieces in time and in events so that the connections between say, the relationships in a family and a stressful relationship outside that may be related to a traumatic event are not connected. It doesn't mean it goes away. It means that the link is severed and is organized more correctly defined. It is not that it's severed, but that it is correctly categorized categorized away from each other so they're not linked when one event happens and another does not impinge by it. So when, and I mentioned this previously, when say a father or mother comes home from a stressful event at work or some other issue, then those events are no longer identified together and the increase in ability to relate to your partner or your children is separate. So we no longer have that connection of stress from one event to an unrelated relationship. That's what the emotional budget workbook program does because we are at the foundation we're not at the personality trying to work our way to similar and dissimilar self-identified feelings. We are at the foundation of what the organ of the brain knows and what it wants and support. So when this is completed, it, the brain supports you and your ability to relate and identify and progress in a cognitive functioning way with increased cognitive abilities. Growing older, growing older comes with change, less perhaps sensitivities to certain, but more reliance in an oddball way as well, more social reliance, maybe more or less of many things. But a change comes with understanding and awareness of our cognitive functioning and how that's impacted by going through and reviewing our ability and who we're relating to. We again increase our cognitive functioning, which is a very important at a growing as we grow older. And I can count myself as one of them growing older, having raised children having gone through the emotional development of making a decision of who we're going to partner with. The trauma of raising children because of our, the stress and anxiety and then growing older and the change from that. This is what we need support because we no longer have that cultural foundation we depended on 
when older people lived with their kids or when their kids went out and worked and gave their money to their parents, that's not happening. That is long gone and so is living with our children appears to be in most cases. So our culture is change for growing older and knowing and being aware and having that understanding brings a greater sense of being able to make those decisions around us for our children, for ourselves. And one of those things that is important, we have discussed relationships, but in this day and age, it's the lack of relationships that are as equally, maybe notably, an issue in this day and age. Isolation, unhealthy work and social habits, and us trying to make it up through social media apps. So just real quick, I will note in September's Women's Health Magazine issue, the lone dangers, as described by them. Feeling untethered doesn't just create, doesn't just create unhealthy social habits. It can also wreak havoc on your health. Loneliness can hurt because it acts on similar parts of the brain as physical pain. And we have described that in the cognitive functioning. According to a study from the University of Chicago Center for Cognitive and Social Neuroscience, and when you're feeling isolated, the magazine continues, the part of the brain involved in connecting with others is stalled, says Stephanie Cacioppo, PhD in neuroscientist and loneliness researcher at the University of Chicago. The resulting unhappiness can make it even harder to create social bonds going forward, in part because it skews your thinking. If you're lonely and someone doesn't say hi to you on the street, you might think, hey, they must not like me. Instead, maybe they just didn't see me, says Holtlinstead. Extended periods of loneliness can even put you at greater risk of experiencing anxiety, depression, or PTSD, explains British psychologist Ellie Milby. Your mind isn't the only thing that misses social interaction. Feeling alone undermines our immune system, leading to sleep and cardiovascular issues. And so we have also built up a social media in conjunction with or as a result of or in part uh, both developing at the same time, we have built a way of trying to find a way to interact, but at the same time, one in social loneliness. To assure we are in a healthy relationship, one need only support the facts through the identification of behaviors in a systematic way. So when we are lonely, we are then looking to either get back in or one should be or simply relying on a social media. But when one is an individual is seeking to identify how their relationship is, then our program, the Emotional Budgeting Program, like the financial statement, identifies behaviors in a systematic way that is instantly recognized by the mind. This is the difference between our cognitive functioning and what we are not. We are not, this is not about therapy. This is not about bringing to the person a description of what one soundboard brings to another. This is about your own mind. This is about your brain as an organ 
needing support that in a systematic way that will identify what you, the individual, is once by bringing the chaos of swirling emotional feelings to an organized method of filing system built into our brain. It's training your own brain with your own individual needs. And you are the best person to describe and your brain is the best organ to do what it knows best. And it is the best thing to help you when it is supported in the way that it needs. Briefly, we do have, we have built uh, in our upcoming workbook, a way to develop the narrative development workbook that will be out shortly uh, with Amazon uh, publishing. This is what will provide that additional support with social media, because as it stands now, social media derives bits and pieces. And basically, with so many different platforms, one has pictures, one has friends, one has relationships, one is intimate, one is not. These are all bits and pieces of your life, an individual's life. But it does not make a full picture of the narr narrative that is maybe something that the individual is trying to project. So to project is what we just discussed in the magazine. And I'll quote again, if you're lonely and someone doesn't say hi to you on the street, you might think they must not like me. So that is projection of them and the narrative development helps provide that development to project your thoughts of who you are. But to move on with our relationship and our cognitive functioning, the program simply put supports a system already in place adding extra help for an overtaxed mind filled with the world of data and choices. Instead of having to recreate every moment of feeling to assess good choices, an individual can use the program to simply review those relationships and outcomes. And we were talking about the emotional budget workbook. Please consider the extra information and emotional decisions we need to make today compared to 100, 200, <clears throat> a thousand years ago, even differences between cultures. For example, in India, in many families, it is custom for the husband and wife to be decided, their marriage to be decided by others. This decision-making is taken out of the hands of the individuals. While this may seem at first thought very stressful for the mind, for our mind, it is, as an organ, it is a huge decision in which it does not have to need to consider and can use its resources to make other important decisions, which can be attended to with less competitive processing needs. So while we may not think or like having someone else choose who we should marry, it does take out a huge emotional chunk of data that would be used to process for not just one period, but we may spend years and years trying to figure out if an individual is right or not right, and to have someone else decide at a particular time in a particular place would alleviate years and years of emotional turmoil. Now that may not be something we want, but it is a description of a change in our society and the additional choices we have need to make from our perspective and where we are today in America, where we are now. So by addressing, again, relationships, we are discussing today that relationships with the awareness of the 
foundation, the cognitive foundation, can be supported through the identification of the emotional budgeting program in the way that a financial statement in regards to behavior and responses and how we relate to others and alleviates, allows us to think through our choices so that it is our responsibility of what our choice means. We can look at it. Our brain will takes it, develops the neuron tracks so that it will do it on its own after it is done through the workbook. And at that point, you are able to make clear choices that will likely last longer with less stress and less anxiety. That is the increase in awareness. It's at the basement. It's at the foundation. Your awareness is now developed so that when you see the personality, you have an understanding that the it is not necessarily as much part of the personality may predict your response, behavioral responses with each other, but the cognitive functioning, understanding, awareness, and response will give you the facts and your feelings and your choices and your responsibility for making those choices. And that is why children, we have one for youth and provides that understanding in the way that we learn to do financial statements from an early age are those who move ahead in life. And for those who do emotional budgeting program at an early age, will similarly have the advantage of awareness that brings to them the ability to make good social decisions. By addressing the distress of the brain, feeling overwhelmed by unprocessed emotional data, the connection of the brain distress is the direct connection of the brain that regulates the limbic stress response. So here we're reducing all that. This is repeating what is we have in prior podcasts for other relationships. The brain sensing difficulty depends on the same system that we have incorporated for many other issues. So a response in a relationship in which often can result domestic abuse by someone who is not clearly organize their emotional responses and one who may feel that their heart is in the right place but their behaviors are wrong, this identifies those facts and provides, if one is able to do it on all sides of a family, help provide that disconnect for everyone between stress, anxiety, and the relationship behavioral response. That is the importance of what, why this is a revolution. This is how and why the Emotional Budget Workbook was designed for you, for everyone to move forward, to have that awareness from the basement, from the foundation to support our mind, lower the distress, to prevent the synaptic and physiological signals from being sent out, creating the havoc of maladaptive behaviors that lead to poor health, violence, in general, costing all of us trillions of dollars in needless expense of daily functional difficulties and for your relationship and understanding of our choices of why and what we do the facts of your response from the facts you take and you can make that decision. My next podcast will lead a discussion of bipolar disorder or cognitive functioning and the emotional budget program. Consultations are available through my website, www.emotionalbudgeting.com. For parents and caregivers, individuals and educators, copies of the book are available digitally on Kindle and in paperback on Amazon.com. I would like to thank our producer, Doug Newsom, and our audience. Welcome to the Brain Revolution. Until next time, this is Dr. Paul Sumpataro. Consultations are available through EmotionalBudgeting.com for parents, caregivers, individuals, and educators. Copies of the book are available digitally on Kindle and in paperback on Amazon.com. Welcome to the Brain Revolution. Until next time.